This week, we are starting a new sermon series where we're going to walk through the epistle of 1 John. So if you're familiar with that stretch of scripture, we have 1 John, we have 2 John, and we have 3 John, and they're all very short books, and they're back to back to back. So over the next month, which will be four Sundays, we're going to cover the four chapters that we find in 1 John. So I bet you can guess what we're going to do, right? We're going to spend roughly one week in each chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to look at excerpts from each chapter each week. And I feel like 1 John, as well as 2 and 3 John, but 1 John for me is, is one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I feel like it's one of these books of Scripture that oftentimes gets overlooked. And I think part of that is because of how short it is, but I also think part of that is because of where it falls in our Bibles. If you were to open up that pew Bible in front of you and try to find 1 John, you would have to flip all the way to the back. It's just a few books before Revelation. This book was written very early in the history of the church, around 95 or 110 A.D. So this book was penned just 60 or 70 years after Jesus was walking the earth. So I think one of the reasons that I like it so much is because I think it gives us an inside look into what the early church was processing and trying to figure out when they were still in that honeymoon phase of sorts and and trying to figure out who we are and who God is and how those two things can intersect in the life of faith. You'll find that over these next four weeks, we see those two threads come up over and over and over again as we watch a people try and discern not only who they are, but also seeking to wrap their minds around who God is and then what that looks like when those two come together into a life of faith and a life of purpose and a life of growth. And this week you'll see that we're going to encounter both of those threads in our scripture for this morning. So we're in 1 John, we're in chapter 1, and we're just going to read verses 5 through 10. So you're welcome to flip that pew Bible open or you can find the scripture up on the screen. Hear it now. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of Christ for you, the people of Christ, and we say together, thanks be to God. First John is jam-packed, right? I mean, it's a short book, but oh my gosh, it is a dense book. And it is a book that is rich in theology. In this reading specifically, I think what we find, kind of how I found myself processing this passage, is two truths that I think this reading tells us, and two charges that are rooted in those two truths. So I think this passage is telling us to go and do two things. But it's because of these two truths that we find revealed 
in the reading. That, that's how I'm going to break down the scripture for us this morning. That's kind of how I found my brain breaking it down this week. That we have two truths that lead us to do two things. And the two truths are this, right? It's, it's, it's not rocket science. I think they're right there for us. The first one is in the first verse, right? The two truths are this. God is light and we are sinful. I really do think that those are the two things that this scripture is calling us to realize above all else. And I think they are almost impossible to miss when we read the passage. I mean, it's found in the first verse, that first truth, right? God is light. Hear it again. This is what it says. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. That's something that we as a people of faith that we say all the time. It's language that we see all the way at the beginning in the story of creation, in the midst of of chaos and, and, and darkness and this formless void. God said, let there be light, and there was light. We hear it come from the mouth of Jesus. He tells us, I am the light of the world. God is light. It's a way that we describe God over and over and over again, that his light shines in the darkness. And I believe it is just simply a core truth of our faith. And it's a truth that we find in the very first verse of this passage. On the other side of that coin is who we are. So you can already see those two threads, right? Discerning who God is. Well, God is light. Well, then who are we? And that's the second truth, right? Well, we are sinful. Or if we run with that energy, right? God is uh, imagery. Did I say energy? Imagery. If, if God is light, then we are in the dark. And we see that in our scripture too in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we try and say that we're not sinful, if we try and avoid that truth about who we are, then the only thing that we are doing is deceiving ourselves and preventing that truth from being able to be within us. And look, guys, this is something that's a part of our nature. It's been a part of us since the very beginning, just like our notion that God is light. At the very beginning, God gave us a gift. And what did we do? We reached for more than what God gave us. Thus, sin And since then, it has been something that has tried to separate us from communion and relationship and fellowship with God. It's this cycle, and it's a cycle that's still moving today. It's a truth about who we are as humans, what our nature is. We are sinful. And out of that comes our first charge, right? Our our two truths are God is light and we are sinful. And so our first charge that I think this scripture challenges us to do is to be a people that are willing to name our sin. I think we see it kind of hidden, that charge hidden in verses 8 and verses 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's verse 8. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's verse 10. I think 1 John, I think this text specifically makes it really clear to us that the truth that we are sinful is not something that we should be running from. It's not something that we should be denying. It's not something that we should be trying to, to shove to the bottom of the barrel. Instead, we should be a people who are willing to name it. We're just willing to name it. Yeah, we're, we're sinful. 
I think this passage challenges us to be a people who are just simply willing to name our sin. And, and look, guys, if we really do this, it's going to require some, some internal work for us. It's going to require some self-awareness from, from us. Sometimes maybe a little bit of uncomfortable self-awareness. Because when I say name your sin, I'm, I'm talking about naming the sins that, that you know in your life, in your life, that you struggle with. And this is tough, and this can be hard, and this can be uncomfortable, and sometimes it's not fun, but I really do think it's necessary for us to do as a people of faith, to just be willing to name it, to name those things in our life that we know we struggle with. Because I really do believe that something happens when we, when we name it. All of a sudden, it becomes, it becomes real, And I think it becomes a little bit less intimidating for us to actually deal with. But we're not good at it. I'm I'm not good at it. I'm I'm much better at kind of sidestepping those sins in my life that I struggle with. Instead of really being someone who is willing to name it. Right? We do this all the time. We say, oh, I was just looking. But if we name it, it's it's called lust. We say, oh, I was just chatting with somebody about a mutual friend. But if we name it, it's called It's called gossip. We say, oh, I just lost my cool a little bit. That's not very like me. But if we name it, all of a sudden it becomes anger, right? It becomes a little bit of wrath that maybe we're we're struggling with. We say, oh, I'm just going to hold on to my money a little bit longer until I can get that next thing or that next thing I'm saving up for. I just just need to to hold it a little bit closer. But if we name it, it's, it's greed. We go home frustrated and say to our spouse, I really feel like I should be getting more respect than I am at work. But if we name it, it's pride. We're not good at that. But I I think something happens internally with our spirit when we're just willing to name the sins in our life that we struggle with instead of sidestepping them or, or trying to hide from them or trying to shove them down to the bottom of the barrel. I was talking to a friend in ministry this week, uh, he's a pastor in, in Texas, about this sermon, and he told me a story about somebody that he had worked with in, in the church, somebody that, that we'll call Thomas for the sake of the story. So pretty, on, pretty early on in Thomas's time at, at my friend's church, and my friend happened to be Thomas's supervisor, they were having a conversation about what they felt like their growth areas in ministry were and what they felt like their strengths in ministry were. And Thomas said something that that he knew about himself was that he really struggled with pride. That he knew that about himself, that that his pride could really be something that was a stumbling block in his life. That it could interfere with his ability to be in ministry and to hear the voice of God and to be someone that was spreading the good news. That he knew it could be a stumbling block in his life. And my friend thought, wow, how introspective of him. To just be able to name it. I mean, that's some top-tier self-awareness, right? To be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, look, one thing I know about myself is that I have this stumbling block. And it's going to get in the way of my ability to go and do what God is calling me to do. Thomas was able to to name it, to say it, to, to, to own it. But the longer my friend worked with Thomas, he realized that Thomas wasn't willing to take any steps after that. 
that he really had no plans to remedy that pride. He didn't have any intention of, of turning away from that pride. He, he had no intention to actually change his behavior to try to become a less prideful person. He, he had no interest in actually ridding it from his life. He was willing to name it, which is an important first step, but he wasn't willing to take any action. We all know people like that, right? They admit that they have an anger problem, but they keep losing their temper over and over and, and over again, despite that awareness. Or, or they know that they have an unhealthy relationship with their money or with their stuff, but they're not willing to reevaluate what those boundaries should actually look like. Or they know that lust is something that they really struggle with in their heart, but they keep putting themselves in situations where that desire will, will win. Maybe some of us are like that with, with some of those sins in our life. We're willing to name it, but then we're, we're lacking on taking that, that next step of actually making the turn away from those things in our life. What I think this should push us to realize is that we can't stop with, with just naming it. It's an important first step, but, but we can't stop there. Because if we stop there, no real growth is actually going to happen. Can you see that? I mean, it's important, but if, but if we just stop with naming it and we're not willing to turn away from it, then there's no action that's going to come out of it. I think once we name it, we have to be willing to face it. Or, or to use kind of the imagery that we have in our scripture, once we name it, we have to be willing to pull it into the light. I think that's the second charge that we have this morning rooted in this scripture, to be a people who are not just willing to name our sin, but a people who are willing to face our sin or a people who are willing to pull our sin into the light. Because when we do, we realize that we don't have to face that sin alone. I want you to hear verses six and seven again. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, we lie and don't do what is true. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have fellowship with God while we are walking in darkness, or if we say that we have fellowship with God, but all we're willing to do is name our sin, then we're still walking in darkness. But if we walk in the light, if we're willing to pull those things into the light, if we're willing to face our sin with God, then we will find fellowship not only with one another, but we will realize that we don't have to face this alone, that God is willing to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, that God will cleanse us. First we name it. And then we let God in so that we can face it together with him. I got to this point in my sermon and I realized that naming it is a whole lot easier than facing it. I mean, naming it can be intimidating, right? Don't get me wrong. But once we really get into this process, naming it is a whole lot easier than actually facing it is. Because facing it, that requires action. It requires us to change. I think it requires us to be a bit more vulnerable, it means we can't hide from it anymore. We can't hide it from other folks anymore. It means we have to pull it into the light. So how do we do this? 
Naming it is pretty self-explanatory, right? We can write it down or we can say it to one another. We can say it out loud to God. We, We can name it. We can bring it to our awareness. But how do we actually face it? How do we actually bring those things into the light? Well, I think, I think the very first step to that is, is a prayer. A prayer that invites God into the messiness with us. God, come and face this with me because I, I, can't, I can't face it alone. Now that I see these things in my life that are holding me back from you, I know, Lord, that I, there's no way that I can face this alone. God, come and walk with me because I can't walk through this by myself. God, come and shine your light because I feel like I'm stuck in the dark. I need you to come and bring me out of this. Friends, that's a prayer that we can pray every single day, inviting God into the messiness with us. And then after that, we just have to trust. We just have to trust that God is actually with us in in the messiness. And then we do something about it. Right? I mean, we we pray that prayer, we invite God into the messiness, and then we just have to be willing to do do something, to to seek out ways to manage our anger, to stop putting ourselves in situations where lust might win, to set boundaries with our relationship with with money and with, with the stuff in our life, to place somebody in our life that will call us out when they see our pride getting in the way of who they feel like God is calling us to be to surround ourselves with people who we know won't put up with gossip or with slander about the other people in our life. Trusting that when we pull our sin into the light, when we're willing to face it with God, that the light will always win, that the light will outshine the dark, and that before we know it, we will be a people of the light. But friends, that is going to require some action on our part. It starts with a prayer of invitation that reminds us each and every day that we cannot face it alone, but a reminder that God is with us, walking that path, helping us set those boundaries in our life so that we can be a people who are facing our sin so that we can turn away from our sin, trusting that God will do for us what we can't do for ourselves, that God will cleanse us. Two truths, right? God is light and we are sinful. Two charges that we should be a people who are willing to name our sin and a people who are willing and able to face our sin. Trusting that when we pray that prayer and we invite God into the messiness with us that we will never have to face that sin alone. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.